super sad that wasn't caught on <laughs> on recording, but it's fine. <laughs> oh. So where did the story go from there? <laughs> Once uh, you realized it, SVU was playing. Once we realized SVU was playing in the background, just kind of like, uh, like just kind of looked at each other and then just like very silently like reached over, found the remote and changed the channel. It was like, this can't, <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna move past it, you know? Um, there was no acknowledgement. It was just yeah, no, like there, a, there was no acknowledgement. There was just there was just sadness. That's good. Yeah. Th- that's the only I mean, way to handle that, I that, think. That's pretty much the exact same way. Like my date, that, my first date watching Gone Girl went. We just both sat in silence and just like, well, I got to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, you did know, you go on a date it, again after? Or is this no, with, okay. it just ended with a very tense hug. Just like both <laughs> of us were just like very like, I don't think I want to date anyone for a while. Just, just um, like a very tense hug combined with like a small like pat down. Just like making sure that like no one has like a knife that they're about to pull out. Like, you know, it's, you don't have 50 uh, pens. You're going to like forge a journal that makes me look like I murdered you. Right. Right. Just, you know, just making just, sure you're just making conversation, really. Um, I mean, but to the point of where you're saying uh, that, that it felt like it had really Boston energy, because, of course, that was the one where uh, Ben Affleck refused to wear a Yankees hat. Um, <laughs> and so in the movie, he, comprom- right. he compromised on a Mets hat. Uh, because the the pain of uh, you know uh, the 1986 World Series was less acute than like everything that happened yeah. between the Sox and the Yankees during the 90s and into the 2000s. I feel like that's a pretty good compromise, though. Yeah, I, I don't know, like why certain people pick the Mets over uh, the Yankees, or like why people pick the White Sox over the Cubs. But like, I don't know. I feel like I like the Mets more than the Yankees, and I have zero opinion on baseball like at all. It's a, it's a good Queens, uh, you know, workings man's team. You know, is that true? Don't they have like the richest owner in sports now? Well, well yeah, but yeah, I mean. but I think he like <laughs> essentially actively hates his own fans. So like, I think that kind of like moderates it a little bit. Okay, that's it perfect. Does. I think and he's also, in that new movie about the Game stock, the GameStop stock. You know, what I'm talking about. They, there's a movie about yeah. all the. Like, the I mean, Wall I recognize bets. that there is a movie uh, about it. I just refuse to acknowledge that because that's. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I think know. Paul Dano's in it. That's all. That's all yeah, I know. Steve but I think Cohen. the Mets. Steve Cohen. He's a part of it. I don't know how he. I don't know how he's a part of it, but he's somehow in there. Did he make money on I me? Mean, I know he's like a hedge fund guy. As the, as the resident Mets fan here, I must say, it's really good that instead of, uh, you know, our past owner who, you know, lost all his money to Bernie Madoff. Instead, this time we just have the financial crook and just as the owner. So it just cuts out the middleman. It's, it's, okay. It re- re- works really well. Yeah, I actually have two Mets hats for some reason. Like I don't watch baseball. This I is a very this is a very weird confluence of things that's happening right now. It just it's like, sorry, just you know, just as far as like just finding out that there's just this secret like Mets colony existing in like you know like you know North. It's Salt Lake City, North. What do you consider it northern? I don't know what like what the regions Utah. are. Yeah. You, is it just like north? central and south or is there like it, an east west variant pretty like, much yeah there's like it's not we don't go east west that's for sure unless we get we narrow that, down that, to like that's, specific that's, areas that, in that, that's like, the devil's datum point you can't you can't all right so you can't do right. east west so you can only do north center okay all right exactly yeah, yeah. so we have southern utah we've got northern utah central utah there's not a lot People don't really refer to Central. There's just not a lot going on there population wise, except our old capital. But, yeah, I mean, I remember um, like the first time I drove cross country in 2000. And oh, yeah, you got wait, didn't you get stuck somewhere? In the well, I got of- stuck in Evanston, Wyoming because. Oh, I, that's right. Well, so twice, twice I got stuck in and around Utah. It's just kind of like 
it's it's this like i don't know uh pious bermuda triangle for me where i just kind of like oh. so the first time i refused to stop in utah and so we stopped in evanston wyoming and they got a flat tire and had to drive around trying to find like an oversized tire for uh this big dumb fucking chevy silverado um which surprisingly for utah was hard to find um and then the second time weird. I blew my water pump on the the high like the loneliest highway in the US driving out to Reno. Yeah. Um and I got stuck yeah, in, in Fillmore. Oh no. I got stuck in Fillmore, Utah overnight. Um there we yeah, go. our old capital. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean it was you uh, know, Jocks, it seems like the Deseret just beckons to you like it really the sirens. Does. Yeah, I mean this yeah. is the reason oh, why I mean, then speaking- when I when I drove home the third or the second time in uh two thousand eighteen, uh I avoided Utah entirely and went through Idaho and Montana and everything. And it was lovely. I didn't bring And down. no car troubles, I no, presume. So apparently I've I've discovered the That's issue it and it's 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 literally Utah. I, th- I think I'm more afraid of Idaho than I am of Utah at this point. Well, I didn't stop in Idaho. Yeah. I just drove through Idaho. I mean, no, uh, we, we were call. molded by it, you know? Like, I mean, it's beautiful. It just sucks that it's, yeah. you know, much like the Canadian Parliament, it's full of Nazis. Extremely <laughs> <laughs> true. There was uh, one, <laughs> one Nazi. I, I, are we talking? We're not talking about. We're not talking about that, thank God. Um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we, we it's Brigham Young. I was that. just looking if, if Greg put that on there. But speaking of Greg, this is Brigham, Brigham Young Money. I got Jordan here. It's me, Kyle. And we have Shocks joining us. Uh, Greg can't be here. He actually accepted he died. A, What I was going to say, well, <laughs> he, he went back he to his didn't home die, planet. but he did accept a uh, new position as the chief legal officer at OUR. So congratulations <laughs> to Greg. Uh, he's filling a much-needed position that was vacated over the last month. Can um, we just talk about that for a second? Is there a worse scenario possible <laughs> than your chief legal officer for your organization resigning <laughs> and then tapping it off with a hashtag me too at the end of it? Yeah, actually I can think of one, uh, which is, um, uh, what is it? Is it Rudy's lawyer, uh, is now turning evidence against him. Uh, yeah. Or like, I think it's one of them is like turning evidence against them. And like, so I think at the point that your legal counsel becomes like a state witness against you, that might actually be worse. Yeah. We don't know that's not happening. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that could very well be the case here. I just have to say, so a uh, former chief legal officer, OUR, posted this on LinkedIn I am proud to announce that I resigned from my current position at Operation Underground Railroad earlier this month. Earlier this month. So it's not even like me. Anyway. I mean, also, I like you're the, the chief, you're the chief legal officer for like, <laughs> like, I don't know. You've already you've already made like I was having a conversation recently because like as a very young, like as a very new lawyer, I had to appear in small claims court and I saw a couple other lawyers who were there. And their entire book of business seemed to be showing up to small claims court to get default judgments against people on behalf of like MasterCard and Visa. And so they just sit there and they just go through these dockets like like 15 at a time, like reading through these things. And I remember even then looking at these people and just going like, what had to happen to you over the course of your life for you to get to this point? Like you made it all the way through fucking law school and this is where you've ended up. Like this is what you do with your lives. And it's like, I don't know how like. Are you drunk right now? Because I kind of hope so, to be honest. Um, and I and, and this is kind of I see this kind of similarly. Like you know, you the this is where you've ended up. 
like uh, mm. yeah man uh she ended the post like jordan said it says i stand with survivors no matter who or where they are hashtag me too phenomenal also <laughs> she was a former federal prosecutor like if you couldn't suss yeah. out there was something wrong with this organization well before you became their chief legal officer yeah, she's been there for the last two years too. Should so. not be practicing the law. Well, so uh, I, man, so I also say. had, I also had this conversation recently uh, because I was talking with some other folks about like the long legacy of uh, um, Carmen Ortiz, who was the uh, the federal prosecutor in Massachusetts while Obama was president, and who was known for uh, famously bullying uh, MIT student Aaron Schwartz so badly that he killed himself. Uh, because oh, that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah because he uh you know about the uh the jstor prosecution because he had downloaded a bunch of journal yep. articles to make him free uh famously she also like initiated several um legally tenuous uh prosecutions of various different labor figures in the boston area because she decided that you know i mean much as we're seeing right now with the uh, architect of the auto bailout uh saying that he's really pissed off that biden showed up on the uaw picket line because um you know it's <laughs> improper to show that like you know to have anyone except for ceo show up to the white house um you know and so you know, anyway, we're, talk- we're talking about all that. And it's the one thing that you don't really understand, particularly about federal prosecutors, is the majority of the cases that they bring are like the fucking slam dunk shit. Like they're like most of the time yeah. they're not really doing like tenuous convictions. It's, you know, we caught you with, uh, you know, a bag of coke and a firearm. You're already a felon. You're going to go away for 20 years. Do you want to plead? And there's just a bunch of those. And so, you know, which is to say, maybe not the f- most finely, you know, attuned legal mind and like assessing liability on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're kind of dead on that one, too. But it's like everything you read about this organization, like every new thing you read, just like, did did they actually even have jobs? Like, wh- why do you even have a building? Like, you could have just like made more money off of that. Dude, I, I it's it's unbelievable you could have ran all of this from a p.o box what what i think i remember like uh like talking like long ago i think it was about um was it fucking grunt style i don't know it was one of those Uh, i remember talking about it on like you know uh hell of a way and just like you know like talking about just like just all the shit that they you know like all the fucking epic bacon veteran shit that they would do you know about like and just being like like this wasn't a business. This was just like a clubhouse where like you wanted to hang out with your friends and like grow your beards and like occasionally they, they, shoot and guns. like film YouTube videos. Like yeah. they, they just filmed sizzle reels of them like jumping out of helicopters or whatever yeah. with like fake guns, so they could just run around in in, in a South American jungle and feel like they were doing something. Yeah, like even like- yeah, like the that Jimmy Rex guy who like. There's been a lot ha- that happened and has been released since we talked about this last uh, last Monday, I guess. Vice has continued to just like pump out articles of like detailing the psychic's influence on everything, how much she was getting paid and like the different <laughs> roles and titles she just had yeah, like, for I some reason. I don't know. Like, yeah, similar. Like once again, like at the point that you have to like review the compensation for your staff psychic, I feel like that's probably a good sign <laughs> yeah. that like things have probably gone off the rails. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And like Jimmy Rex was talking about the stuff that they, he was he was talking about the good raids that he did. But really, all they were it sounds like all they really ever did 
was go and pretend to be traffickers or people interested in buying trafficked children. Uh, if they were offered trafficked non-children, they were really bummed, according to Jimmy Rex, him himself. He explained, he's had multiple stories where they were like, we were just desperately hoping they were children uh, and they weren't sometimes. And that sucked. Just, so they couldn't just, save just, them. Just really desperately hoping that I can buy some children <laughs> for reasons that are only good and not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, really no one look further into that. I'm sure that we're all have yeah. plenty of liability insurance then, for our job conducting stings in which we and I can't stress this enough by children. <laughs> and uh and like even when he said they were very successful really all they were doing is just apparently trying to buy children from people like that yeah. was like the whole thing just so. just pushing people until they get to entrapment yeah like yeah that's Jimmy pretty much actually did. i mean he he just straight up said like that whole critique of them where they've been creating demand for trafficking was real because he said he had one experience with this random dude in mexico who he, they were trying to get him to sell them kids or whatever and he was like oh, okay and he left and came back with some random girl who according to jimmy said that he could tell she wasn't actually being trafficked and he was saying and then he told him to just go home because he wasn't really a trafficker so um in many cases they were uh, creating demand in other cases they were just like talking to random mexican guys offering them life-changing money and they tried to traffic their like sister or girlfriend or something <laughs> Um, just the dumbest shit on the planet. Literally, like, like it's uh, every I can't single, even believe how stupid. Every it was. single character in this story is like the gym crew from Burn After Reading. Yeah. So well, since we talked last, like the 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 governor had to come out and say that he spoke to the church personally about how all the vice stuff was was real. Uh, we've had multiple people, like right wingers, including Jimmy Rex, uh, who's gone on these raids or whatever, and used to, I, I guess, officially work for OUR. I don't really know. He called himself an operator. And I, God, I hate that they say <laughs> operator unironically. It's so embarrassing. Um, yeah. Oh. All these people like Jimmy did like a 40-minute you you, YouTube video about have it. Have you ever thought about like explaining to someone in like 1946 like what an operator, like what they think an operator <laughs> is, which is just like a nice lady in a beehive who like plugs in a switchboard <laughs> and then like yeah, trying man. to explain. No, it's like a weird bearded dude who's like, you know, out there wearing like just a little too much like, you know, coyote colored clothing and like with a beard <laughs> that, you know, he probably should have shaved off fucking, you know, three divorces ago. And he's like out here trying to buy oh, children. Man. Yes, you both have the same job title. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Yeah. So things are going very poorly. Vice had another article today that basically uh, raised and also the dam is broken for local uh, news investigators as well like finally uh ksl investigates had their own like article about all of this uh jimmy went further than what vice has reported so far and said that tim ballard was explicitly calling um using the name of president russell m ballard to tell these women that he was taking on these operations that he could sleep with them legally according to the church so um that's why the church freaked out so bad uh in their response to back to vice about um, their article also um unfortunately anna merlin of vice had to find out who kwaku is so that was an exciting <laughs> journey for her uh of course a long documented history on this podcast um yeah. 
Anna Merlin has learned so much about Utah, and I feel so awful for her. Both her and Tim. <laughs> Dude, I've listened to some of their yes. interviews, man, and they're just like, uh, yeah, tough situation to like be to have to learn this much about this part of the world in that little amount of time. We we live here, so we're kind of like more like at least we have like a tolerance to it. We built <laughs> yeah. it up a little bit. Like yeah. these poor people have just been thrown into the deep end of the pool. And it's like, okay, you're going to learn a lot about Mormon culture. Um, good luck to you. Yeah. In fact, well, this will come up with our main topic this evening um, with Mitt Romney. But uh, yeah, Tim, Tim was talking about how it's interesting. He, he, he was noting that the little Tim, Marchman, I should say, not Tim Ballard. There's a lot of Tims, a lot of Ballards in the story, but the uh, um, potential like, tension between to me that Utah's even... a fake place. Like it just, you yeah. know, it's it's like whenever I talk about Massachusetts, like, oh yeah, the three Kevins and Sean, you know, like went to, yeah, like you know, I have like you know multiple people in my life that I have to, re- I have like very specific specific descriptors I have to use because I have like five or six guys named Tom that I have to deal with on a regular basis in one capacity <laughs> yeah. or another and Irish Tom only being one of them. So like it just, you yeah. know, yeah. All, all together. So uh, specifically the tension between evangelicals and Mormon uh, Mormons in general. And we talked a little bit about this, about how like the seemingly evangelical QAnon people getting really upset that Tim Ballard is a Freemason or whatever. And uh, talking <laughs> oh. shit in his Instagram comments. <laughs> Did you see who also is now a Freemason? Who? As of this Eric week, Adams. Eric Adams and what? like actually a Freemason isn't, isn't like also like the commissioner of the police, the commissioner of the police and like some other like fucking like the second in command or whatever else of the NYPD all got sworn in as Freemasons at Gracie Mansion within the last week. Dude, that's which awesome. I don't even like, think, so Tim Ballard is just Mormon. He's not even a Freemason. But yeah, this picture is crazy that I'm looking at of uh, Eric. Ad- Eric Adams photo ops over the last week, kissing a robot and doing the little heart thing on its head. And then <laughs> getting sworn in as a Freemason. The man 100% man got sworn in as a Freemason because he absolutely believes that like, I don't know, they're going to help him discover the jewels that like run New York City that are buried underneath the ground or some shit like, dude, this is crazy. My man has absolutely watched the early 90s uh, Super Mario Brothers movie um, <laughs> and thought it was a documentary and is really excited to discover the like parallel universe underneath like the Bronx. Like he is, he's fucking ready for it. He's gonna. Uh, he, I mean, that's why dude, he was he excited. The Ninja Turtles are really dead. That was there, why man. he was excited about the robot because it reminded him of like a Koopa. <laughs> like dude, that robot looks so stupid, man. I can't even believe. At least, at least make it look like the iRobot ones. If you're gonna do like fascist stuff with robots, make it look cool, not like like whatever. I, it's it's so stupid. It just looks like a moving uh, like moving dot candy it's just like a totally dome shape well, it looks, it looks like that, ridiculous uh, was it the fucking uh pixar movie that came out in like 2008 or whatever it was oh uh with the big puffy guy no well and also oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. big hero six yeah well and then <laughs> that, 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 that combined with like the fucking robot movie oh <laughs> what is this robot called movie? robots i think not uh it's um it's uh it's it's there's robots, but there's um, oh, it's like the one uh, where like the, the he, cleaning Wally. guy, yeah, like the humans become too fucking like you know useless and dumb to take care of themselves, and like which I know 
far fetched. We're talking Wally. Wally, yeah, 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 yeah. No one, no one has bones anymore because we just stopped moving. Yeah, yeah. This is why we all need to go back to the office. We have to. We have to for our own sake. Well, the one last thing about Eric Adams now too. I just had the thought where it's like. If you took that picture of him and the chief of police and the third guy or whatever, and just went back 200 years to show it to either the first or second iteration of the anti-Masonic party, you could probably just like give them all heart attacks. It's like a collective like brain aneurysm and die on multiple levels, mind you. On the other hand, if you brought it back to like Tammany Hollier, they'd be like, oh, why are all these guys dressed normally? <laughs> yeah, boss uh, tweeted be like, mm, yeah, seems man. good to me. Yeah, Sartorial Dude, Elegance right there. Yeah, it's, you know. I really don't understand what New York is doing with that uh Eric Adams guy. He's a he's a strange gentleman. I really whoa, 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 like his whoa. whole vibe whoa. is very weird. There's no need to go off the rails there. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. A strange gentleman. <laughs> let's let's I didn't let's wanna, keep it in bounds too far. Here. Let's, you it. know. Just look at his face, man. He's like he's got a he's got a bit of a strange look about him. Kyle, you're oh. sounding like a waiter for the table of success. <laughs> That's, dude, I, I completely agree. <laughs> He's awesome. All right, Jordan, uh, Greg, in his absence and absentia, like I said, can't be appearing on the podcast, but did write some hell lines for us to go through. So why don't you uh, hit me with that drop and I'll, I'll take us through them. You got it. Oh Is this the long version or the short version? Oh, sorry, Thank that you. was the wrong button. Hold on a second. I forget which one. There we go. I hate it. Wait, did you hear Trump talking about the whales? <laughs> and how the windmills are killing the whales? That man hates windmills. Yeah. I don't even understand. <laughs> I, I forget who said it, you know, not to do like internet recap, but someone, you know, said to like, you know, in fairness, if there's anything, you know, uh, like more traditional for a slightly insane older man to do it's you know like fight a windmill uh, so. <laughs> i i uh i don't even fall like i i think with the birds the logic was that the birds get hit by the windmill i i'm trying to figure out the the whale situation i don't know how, well, how, that's, they, uh, how they're killing whales i mean i didn't read the lawsuit i saw i mean it's also just part of i mean they've been trying to build uh like wind power off cape cod for like fucking 20 oh, years at this point Oh my and god! Like, why am I thinking about like Don Quixote Trump now? Like, why? <laughs> oh man, Ben Chevy does a great job for us. He's ter- terrific people. My, um, <laughs> my dude would absolutely like give that man a suit of armor. Like, I want to see know. him. I want you know the final showdown. Like when the FBI eventually bust in his door or whatever else. I want him to be in a suit of armor with a fucking lance. Like I just I it, want his- that to be. I want I want it to be like a like a was it um. What's the name of that? What's the name of the dude who does the fucking paintings? McNaughton. Bob Ross. John McNaughton. Oh, John McNaughton. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. a, an actual McNaughton painting. I want him like charging like the FBI, like black Chevy Tahoe. He would do it, you man. know, just like, ha- I mean, having a stroke while he's doing it, because I mean, the man, the man has physical opportunities, um, but he really does. But yeah, like that's that's how I, that's how I want that final thing to go out. I want it to be charging. I want the lance to pierce the radiator on the Tahoe, <laughs> just as like you know, you know, special agent you know Robertson just like you know empties an entire clip into his suit of armor. I hope we can. Yeah, get John Ham from the that. town just just runs him over with a Tahoe and just like, oh fuck, what was that? <laughs> 
okay, number one, we've got a deal from the New York Times. The Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative deal with the top entertainment companies on a new contract, Wait. ending one of Hollywood's longest labor disputes, moving the industry closer to restarting. Jordan, can we get can we get a little Trump on that? Can we get can we get a little Trump wow. on? Uh, specifically, also to I'm like, we've got a deal. <laughs> I don't know how we don't have a we got a deal. Yeah, we, drop. you know, it's like it's important. So we got a deal here. Yeah, and uh, was it the? Uh, I believe the, the actors are still out. Yeah, so the agreement could bring some relief to an industry that has been thrown into turmoil, into turmoil by dual strikes. There's a still a long way to go until Hollywood returns to normal. Both the guilds board and members need to vote on the deal. And with the union representing actors, SAG-AFTRA striking separately, work on television shows and movies is still unable to resume. Yep. So, yeah, yeah we're though, still uh, uh, the, a little ways from Tinseltown. Uh, How do you feel if you're Drew Barrymore who just, like, jumped the guns? Like, I'm coming back and then just, like, immediately just pissed away all your goodwill. Or, uh, of course, uh, you know, um, Bill Maurer. Who like you know, dude? Okay, yeah. Bill, wait, did Bill Maher already bring his people kings? back? I don't even know what his. Well, I, well no, because he, he tried to restart, and he was like, you know, because the American people need to hear my perspective, and like, you know, uh, that was like a week ago, and like now, oh like, yeah, yeah. So it's like congratulations on whoever took him up on like you know the offer of employment at the Bill Maher show, like, uh, you know, congratulations on having one week of employment there and then getting fucking blackball <laughs> for the rest of the time. You fucking scat gonna, pieces of shit. <laughs> he was going to lean on the prowess of those, um, you know, table reads with celebrities and all that too. So like the only ones you'd probably get during a writer's strike and then, and like a SAG after strike. So you'd probably get like, I don't know, Barry Weiss. Well, and it's, some it's funny you should say that because, uh, because yeah, he was like, oh, I'm not going to do the scripted stuff, whatever, you know, whatever fucking bullshit. But it was funny because he was like, you know, it's too important. We need to hear my voice. And if you look directly underneath the last interview that he had done was with fucking Carrot Top. And it's like, yeah, man, <laughs> thank the fuck Christ you're out there. Like, you know, speaking truth to power with <laughs> Carrot Top. Getting I think Carrot, is Carrot Top still in like a cage in Las Vegas like he's been in for the last 40 years? I don't know. Like, I, don't know. His, Probably. I ran into him in South Lake Tahoe once on New Year's Eve. There um, we go. <laughs> they put they sent him there to, to Hara's for the weekend. Yeah, I, I was like at some like, you know, bar like in the middle of like the little downtown area there. And like he just yeah. like happened to be there like, you know, getting ushered in with like his guys or whatever. And it was like, I don't know. This is he kind of just looks like leather. Um, you know, like <laughs> he's been tanned for 40 oh, years, dude. I just, wow. I just like Googled pictures of him and, uh, that's not what my brain had. Oh yeah. He looks sexy. For, <laughs> yeah. Just, I was going to say, I was like, he, this is just rocking. He's when I go to the so gym good. every day, I was like, I'm going to look like character. Yeah, well, Cause you day. think that you kind of think of him as, wasn't he in the, uh, those at the 1-800 collect commercials? Like, yes. yeah, back in yes. like that's how I still think 2004 or whatever. Um, you know, when like landline phones and collect calling were still relevant. Um, and yeah, he has uh, aged perhaps not like a fine wine, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more like, you know, some Mad Dog 2020 left out in the sun. Um, <laughs> I was about to say like, yeah, Boone's Farm yeah, seems like, kind of like what he is. Like a weird color, not necessarily a natural a, one. A warm um, cup of wild Irish rose. Um, yeah. you know, an aged blue raspberry wine. <laughs> How does he just 
How does he look like that? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, a mixture of hard living and steroids. Yeah. Damn, he was on Bar Rescue in 2021. So congratulations. Yeah, he, was, he, was, oh, he was also he, in Sharknado, he, The Fourth Awakening. He was the bar. Uh, he was just... <laughs> <laughs> he was actually he was actually a, he was a wing back chair in the background of an episode of Bar Rescue. Um no, man. But yeah, no, I mean, this you know, is... congratulations to the writers for and of course now uh you know, today was a historic day where uh you know, as we record this, uh you know, this is the day that Joe Biden just showed up to the UAW picket line. Um and and by and by doing so uh cemented his place as the most pro labor uh president in American history which to be clear, is only because the bar is, and I can't stress this enough, in hell. very, very low. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, yeah. it was pretty surreal to see, like, a see the video of him doing that. Honestly, yeah, uh, he was like literally saying, he said uh, something about like you deserve what you earn, and you deserve, or you earn what you deserve, or I don't know what he said, but he said you deserve to make a lot more to, to everyone there. Yeah, um, and talking about how unions built the the middle class middle class of this country um yeah man pretty crazy that that bar is as low as it's been yeah uh, and it really is the bare minimum you'd think at, at this stage yeah um you even have like republicans paying lip service to unions at this point like josh Hawley was like tweeting about how yeah how it's you know how he supports unions of course like because of course he does please don't search my tweets for right to work (laughs) or just like yeah or his voting record like this man is in like he's in the senate like we know what he how he votes it's it really is one of those things where the the tide culturally has turned so much against like bosses and corporations where even like republicans have to be like well you know there's evils aren't I mean, unions aren't completely evil. Um, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> what if we just like you know um, stop them from organizing though? Yeah, like you know, it's fine. You can have unions as long as I don't know you're you know working on an assembly line or like in an oil field or something. But the minute that yeah. uh, the minute that you want one anywhere else, you know uh, that isn't you know hardworking salt of the earth middle America people, then you know that's 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 you know doing a you know. Uh, queer communism um yeah but yeah um okay let me go to the second one uh number two new menendez brothers just dropped i like that one greg <laughs> thank you from from the dead <laughs> from cnbc democratic new jersey senator bob menendez and his wife nadine were indicted on federal bribery charges in new york last week prosecutors accused the couple of accepting bribes including cash gold bars a mercedes-benz car and mortgage payments from three new jersey businessmen who also have been charged in the case investigators found more than four hundred eighty thousand dollars in cash hidden in clothing closets and a safe according to the <laughs> to, indictment to, to be clear and I just I just need to point this out because it's my favorite part because the I mean you know normally we'll never have to hand it to a federal prosecutor but like the screenshots of like shit that they included in the indictment were just fucking gold and specifically <laughs> the fact that not just clothing jackets with Menendez's name embroidered <laughs> on them 
He stuffed the cash in like, uh, like it's like you know, so like you good. know, running out of a bank with my embroidered money carrying bag that I always bring with me to robberies. Like, fuck, man. Yeah, no, man. I gotta respect the FBI because they were staging that stuff like they were selling it on eBay, and that's that's the best way of doing it. I think <laughs> it's, it's with the flash and everything. It's perfect. Oh my goodness! In a statement be- yesterday, <laughs> Menendez, Menendez refused to resign and stated that the cash seized by federal investigators from his home came from his personal savings account. For thirty years, I've withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in cuba he's dude he it's so good when he got busted he was like this is just because i'm a latinx man speaking truth to power yeah like i'm (laughs) i'm just here i am neurodivergent and a minor um it is it is inappropriate for me like this is just i i stim with my bundles of cash that i keep in my coat closet like these are my emotional support bars of gold yeah like Um, and it's also yeah like his google history like immediately after being bribed just like googling like gold bar gold bar how much worth gold bar how much worth like u.s dollars like what to do with gold yeah bar. What, what to do with gold bar gold bar meltdown question He's on mark yahoo like, answers asking how to do bribery and how, how to wash do you all this cash a gold bar yeah like yeah yeah like you know like just thinking about uh that scene in office space where they look up money laundering in the dictionary like that's that's basically what my guy was doing as a sitting u.s senator it's like don't you have a guy for this like how how have you been in the senate this long you don't just like have like a money laundering guy like fuck the correspondence between him and like the Egyptians too was some of the funniest things ever. Where it's just like, okay, I think we can get this deal done by Monday, and then just some like guy from like CC's intelligence service like thumbs up emoji. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so we're starting to get like a round of Democratic senators and other folks, uh, starting with John Fetterman. I think. Yeah. Did you saying? Did that you see the resign. thing that uh, Fetterman said about? Because uh, I guess Mendez had uh, Menendez had given contributions to his campaign account. I said, yeah, is he going to like return that or something? He's going to return it in envelopes. In envelopes of bundles of cash. <laughs> <laughs> the man has oh, a heart of awesome. a poster. You know what I mean? Or, he really you know, does. whatever clone there is of him at this point, you know, God, God bless the Fetterman clones. They're doing great work. I respect it, man. <laughs> yeah. They got to get their tattoo situation figured out, but I love what they've got going on. Yeah. There. I love that idea that, you know, you've, you've cloned a man who is the size and shape of a Maytag refrigerator, but you forgot to tattoo him <laughs> the correct way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it's if you're going to clone like a sender or something like that, you probably don't want to do the one that's the most unique shaped. And <laughs> yeah. like, you would probably want to go with like a Josh Hawley or something like that. Who's just like a copy paste. Yeah. They're just yeah, cloned from the same master the cell. You know, they just kind of like, there's a gym floor at the Kennedy school of government at Harvard that just kind of breeds these guys like all from the same spore. Yeah, you'd think yeah. you'd pick the school shooter physique, not whatever we, <laughs> we have with him. Tom um, Cotton was a little bit of a mistake because of the neck, but other than that, he, well, he's yeah, a prototype. He's a you know, you got to, you know, you <laughs> fucking beaker looking a- ass. Actually, got some giraffe DNA just kind of mixed in there. <laughs> the sliders got all fucked up in this crazy character. Man. Uh, I'll never get over the fact that he eats birthday cake every morning. Like, what? Is, wait, what? Oh, you know, like, that's this. Thing. Yeah, he he runs like seven to ten miles every day, and then like eats a big piece of birthday cake. The, the the disease that these people and, have. And to be clear, man, I don't even not understand. Not like a regular cake that he just calls it. No, like sheet pan like, birthday cake that he gets from the grocery store. 
Oh, How can we, you not believe that they live is a documentary at this point? <laughs> dude. Like, are you really cra- craving funfetti at eight in the morning? Like, get a hold of yourself. This is unbelievable. Okay, the last two on here. We wouldn't. We'd be remiss if we didn't include some uh, fucked up Utah stuff, of course. Um, <clears throat> three. It's best to just stay silent. From the Salt Lake Tribune, Feder, uh, the feds chastise Utah school district for failing to seriously investigate over 100 student reports of sexual assault and harassment uh, in a single school district. Alpine School District did little to investigate more than 100 cases of sexual assault and harassment in its schools for years, including several reports where students were not offered any support after being kissed, touched, or assaulted by teachers, according to an investigation from the U.S. Department of Education. This damning 21-page report released Thursday from the Department's Office for Civil Rights detailed one assault after another during a three-year span that was mishandled by the district, the largest in the state. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's 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 everything in there. It's like teachers, it's students and students. It's um, it's kind of unbelievable how uh, little was done to even like pursue any of these. Like, I'm not even sure if one was out of all the reports that they've gotten. Uh, how, did you mean that too? Like what, what, Alpine like, School. I was going to say, how big is the Alpine School? Like, what is <clears throat> huge? It's all of Utah County, which is like the it's second not all largest. of Utah County, but it's like it's, it's a everything good chunk. but Provo. Yeah, it's pretty close. I think or in my other own school district, but um, they're splitting off right now, but they haven't done it yet. Nebo, I think Nebo's in Utah County as well. But uh, yeah, Spanish Alpine Fork. is huge. And also Alpine is where like a ton of the new tech money is like that's where yep. a lot, okay. a lot of rich people live. And it's very, very Mormon. And it's very, very uh, it's like the competitive, scary kind of Mormon, like the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City kind of uh, brand of Mormonism. In fact, right. I think we talked about this a few months ago um, where like there's also part of the problem here is that a lot of these families, I'm sure, don't want their sweet Mormon boys to get in trouble for doing assaults. Um, and I would be I would be very surprised if that didn't play a major role in why so much of this wasn't investigated because um, that's a pretty, pretty huge thing. Uh, yeah. Jordan, do you, do you remember the story about, um, it, it happened in like the seminary parking lot or something. And I think, I can't remember which high school it was in Alpine. Oh, it was, um, you know it was one about? of the high schools in Lehigh. I want to say like Centennial or I'm not exactly sure, but do you remember was, the parents suing the district because their yes. kid was having sex in a parking lot? Yeah. Consensual with, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Consensual like sex, but like people, but yeah, like they didn't. The parents sued the school because they didn't stop uh, their, their son from skipping un, school. Un, <laughs> yeah, un, from sloughing seminary and going to just like under under what to, theory? Like, what is? <laughs> like, yeah, it I, got it got dismissed pretty quickly because yeah, there was, was like no say, standing. It's like I don't know what you want me to do. But that's here. the mindset of like the people that live in this district is like that kind of th- that yeah, kind of thing. All right. You signed the release time papers. I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. Um. Last one, the doctor will not see you now. From the Salt Lake Tribune, a doctor with ties to anti-LGBTQ hate groups is now serving on Utah's Trans Sports Commission. A cool little commission as part of like the really uh, nice compromise that Spencer Cox got out of the state legislature. So shout out to that whole situation. The physician appointed by House Speaker Brad Wilson, uh, running for Senator Mitt Romney's seat, uh, does not treat transgender patients and opposes gender-affirming care. Wilson declined to discuss his selection. Dr. Paul Ruz 
has suggested that being transgender is, ca- is caused by a, quote, social contagion. He has spoken against gender-affirming care at a conference led by a recognized hate group that has pushed for forcibly sterilizing transgender individuals. And as a physician, he has declined to see anyone who is transgender. Quote, I intentionally do not, to tra- I do not treat transgender patients, he acknowledged in one court deposition. So that's great. Yeah, so um, I read a couple things on from Glad on this guy too, and he did other things too. Like uh, he did a study on uh, same-sex parents, um, and essentially what kind of quality of parents they are. And he did it without actually studying same-sex parents. So I mean, it's been a long time since I've taken like my research practices class, but I'm pretty sure that's kind of not effective well, in what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, kind of similarly, the fact that you, uh, you know, you. <laughs> You're suggesting a cause of, you know, quote unquote, transgenderism um, and but then say that you intentionally do not treat anyone that you identify as like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, just just throwing it out there. That might mean that you maybe you're not actually a subject matter expert on that shit. <laughs> yeah, he's never treated anyone with a gender dysphoria at all. So it's right. like, OK. You're I mean, like, qualified to sit on this board. Why? We always knew this is how this was going to go. Like the battle for, again, there, there. I think at the time of this becoming a thing, and when this was the battle in the legislature, I think there were one or maybe two trans kids playing sports in Utah as, as a whole, um, and they were freaking out about this for like a year or however long it was. Um, they got the compromise or a compromise that included this commission. Um, and as a reminder, Utah high school sports association already had guidelines on how to deal with this kind of thing. So this was all just, um, as a way to get someone like this into a position of power. So, uh, congrats to everyone involved for getting exactly what they wanted. Bravo everybody for them. Great. All right. I didn't dress up with a jazz jersey over a Oxford shirt for no reason. Let's talk about our main story tonight. Jordan, why don't you take us through? And Shocks, of course, we have you on the podcast, not because we like you, but to talk about Mitt Romney. I mean, you know, just I- talk about my favorite Mitt Romney story. Just Anytime. first of all, leading up um, 2010. Let's set the stage. Good year. Um, <laughs> LMFA. I'm just going to read this title from uh, Rolling Stone. LFMAO Sky Blue and Mitt Romney Scuffle on Flight to L.A. <laughs> I don't know what else, what else you have to say there. Which is, <laughs> dude, uh, did they have that? What was their one song? Uh, that uh, party rock anthem. Is that like dun 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 dun? Yes, oh yeah, I used to play like that on an elk crashing. call. I used to have an elk call, and I would play that song on an elk call. That's the only connection I have to LMFAO. But shout out to them for beefing with Mitt Romney on a plane. Which really? one is is uh? I can't. Did you say sky sky blue or whatever? Yeah, sky blue. Uh, the, yeah, there's red foo and sky blue, and red foo is the one who tried to go uh, single after LMFAO broke up and. Why do they yeah. break up? I don't know. They're like an uncle and nephew. Like, it's weird. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. <laughs> Wait, which one's the uncle? Uh, the taller one, I guess. I don't know. I, uh, I, I have a hard okay. time describing LMFAO. Like, okay, I see. Skyler. Okay, I got him. All right, okay. nice, man. I'm just going to read a little bit from this. Earlier this week, Republican presidential hopeful Mitt Romney was involved in the confrontation on a flight from Vancouver to Los Angeles. His alleged assailant, Sky Blue of the Electro-Rap duo <laughs> LMFAO, the, the pourers of, quote, shots. 
According to news reports, uh, Sky Blue had the audacity to lower his seat back prior to the flight's takeoff, which caused Romney, who was sitting behind the rapper, to loudly, loudly request that he straighten his first class seat. From there, tensions escalated, and Romney's spokesperson told the press Sky Blue became physically violent. <laughs> That's awesome. The New York Daily News reports uh, leading the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to remove Sky Blue from the plane. In a video posted on TMZ, Sky Blue and his party rock accomplice, Red Foo, talk about their run-in with Romney. Sky Blue insists Romney became physical first. He grabbed my shoulder and I was like, boom, get off me. <laughs> the man assaulted me. I was protecting myself. What was Mitt Romney doing in 2010? Uh, preparing to run for 2012. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He basically Man. ran for president unimpeded for about 10 years. Yeah, because he wasn't <laughs> governor of Massachusetts anymore. Yeah, even when, yeah. well, and also get into, even when he was, uh, he pretty much just like, from about 2006 through, you know, about 2016, he just kind of like perpetually, you know, like ran for president or like, yeah. you know, ran as an also ran or like ran for senator or whatever. But that was like just professionally just kind of running for something. Yeah, so we're memorializing him, of course, because recently, uh, and it tied into the Tim Ballard stuff because it kind of came out the day before or the day of. But Mitt Romney announced that he is not seeking re-election for Senate. Um, whether that's because he has a higher uh, approval rating with the Utah Democrats than he does with Utah Republicans, or if he truly is just uh, old and wants to spend time with his family. Um, you have to have a deep, a deep sickness to enjoy being in the Senate, I think. So Mitt Romney is giving up his seat and we're taking the opportunity to go through what brought us to this moment. Uh, and of course his shared impact on the state of Massachusetts and the state of Utah and everyone in between really. Cause I think he touched all of our hearts on this, on that highway that shocks has driven are, multiple times are, between these two states. Are, yeah. You know, I mean, somewhere between, you know, Interstate 90, you know, you know, the Mass Pike terminating in Boston and, you know, Interstate 80 just transiting its way through the wilds of Moab. Yeah. You know, I think truly Mitt Romney has touched all of us, primarily in our wallets, but also in our hearts uh, so and unfortunately in our minds, because I know that at the very least, you know, we're all going to remember, you know, certain moments, you know, perhaps of his national prominence. You know, I think. I think binders full of women is something that is just going to go down in history is, you know, one of the one of all time favorite quips from the uh, the 2012 presidential uh, election. Uh, you know, similarly, I think uh, we'll never forget that he has said that his favorite uh, his favorite meat is hot dogs. Yep. Yeah, see, there we are. Um, we love which, it. You know, favorite meat is hot dog thing, but I think he literally just said hot dog. No, not plural. Just hot dog yeah. is my dog. <laughs> just, just, so like it's like it's a cut. Yeah, just like a singular. <laughs> just like he had one once, and he remembered enjoying it a little bit. Like it was his favorite piece of human food that anyone ever offered him. Oh my goodness! Saying I, his I, favorite, favorite meat is hot dog also implies like he didn't really eat it like a traditional hot dog. Like the, it was just well, it's like a, it was just a weenie. Like, you know that and he did the, something to the it. picture of Mayor Pete where he's like eating the cinnamon and bun and you and like but it's oh that's the hot wing you're thinking of wait no, no it's, it's a, a cinnamon bun wait i thought it was a hot no. wing that he was eating no, no it looks like it's a hot wing but it's a cinnamon roll he eats it like a rat yeah oh at the what 
Why was I thinking? Oh, why is he eating it like a hot wing? In that, there's <laughs> two images. He's a rat. That guy is. Yeah, he's he's special. So why does he look so bad eating food? Like I, <laughs> I'm sorry, this has turned into like Kyle looks at guys' face, but like the he, I forgot how much of a freak he looks yeah. like when he's eating. This there's a, tw- a tweet that's called Pete Buttigieg ate basically everything at Iowa State Fair, and it's just a collection of photos of him looking insane. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, man. I don't think we'll ever recover from the 2020 campaign because every time I think of Pete Buttigieg, I think about that like picture of him like drinking a 40 with Jesus and Mero, which is just like, oh, dude, no one's going to recover from 20. Like we Matt Chrisman uh, is in the hospital with a very serious like health condition. And the response from like a good portion of Twitter was like, thank God, because of that Bernie stuff in 2020. Like it. It's the most unhinged opinions I've yeah, ever was, seen. Uh, so. I was um like going through my back DMs recently, and I remembered uh oh, fuck I can't remember the name of the guy now. The very uh one of the very bald uh just like absolutely normy dudes who like ran for president in the in twenty twenty. But I was like oh d- yeah DMing him at one point, just being like as long as uh <laughs> as long as you're just wasting your money on continuing through the primaries, can I have some? Um, and then I saw it like, ironically that the end of all of that was this user is now verified. You can no longer like direct message them. And I was like, ah, fucking must fucked up a bit, you know, like, I mean, the, you're talking oh. about the really, the, the jacked old guy, John Delaney, right? Yeah. 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 The guy who, uh, <laughs> who went down the slide while just like absolutely stone faced. Dude, he looks crazy. I, uh, he's, he's got enough. He, Again, deep disease that runs through almost all of these people and it reflects on their faces. They look insane. But anyway, like um just to bring it back to Romney though. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Um, Take us through let's let's talk Romney as governor. Well, let's well, talk about Romney. First off, the, I just want to uh, say like I just want to thank him for introducing the world to Mormon weirdness. Yeah. Um, because that is a disease. That is a brain disease. Because I think about the moment from 2012 where he gathered a I think a sizable amount of black children around him. And then for no reason, just went, who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Who, who? And oh God, I don't think oh, I most people that. understand that comes from a place where you grew up in a place where you've never really had to interact with people, much less minorities. <laughs> wait, oh, that's, there's, uh, there's a wait. fun brain trend here you'll see like this is just awesome well and so and so i suppose to go to all of this and so specifically what i want so you know obviously mitt romney retiring as a senator you know from utah um you know famously saved the you know utah uh olympics yeah that you was know. big in in the mitt romney lore yeah, that was, was that know, the olympics were failing and he saved the salt lake olympics in and, and so I just, he saved the olympics it certainly wasn't the influx of security spending right after 9-11 right well and so and so i just want to read very very briefly and so you know i've kind of looked um you know to one very recent boston globe article and then some you know kind of uh boston globe articles from you know when he first started running for president um and i just I just want to read this first sentence here when and and just because the Boston Globe, by and large, you know, theoretically liberal paper, but very much in the same way as the New York Times, you know, very much like a lapdog capital in a lot of ways. And so 
Just this. When Senator Mitt Romney announced his retirement for electoral politics on Wednesday after one term, he made no mention of his deep roots in Massachusetts. <laughs> like the man was governor for four years and it was pivotal for his transition of going from, you know, you know, uh, you know, venture capital ghoul to savior of the, you know, supposed savior of the Olympics, you know, and then like running for president. And it's something he never talks about. And it's so and, you know, this all started because one of my favorite things about him and one thing, you know, we could talk about more about is that his signature achievement during the entire time that he was governor of my state was Romney care, which was yep. essentially the prototype for the individual mandate that ended up being Obamacare that then he ran against in 2012. <laughs> and by saying that, like, oh, this thing, this thing over here, well, that was state level and it was just something that was appropriate at the time, but it was clearly over government overreach, you know, or like whatever to do it at a federal level. And just the way that that was never even really discussed, everyone just kind of let him say that. Yeah, man. Has, like was one of the first things to really like break my brain in a way. And well, okay. You know, when you like, think about it, it's like Democrats didn't want it to admit how bad Obamacare yeah. was. And so they couldn't really hit him and be like, this is basically just a Mitt Romney thing. Yeah. And then like, who was going to hit him for it really? Yeah. Like evangelicals didn't like Romney cause he was Mormon. But like, it's not like he was going to get hit from the right on that because like, yeah, they no. don't care about policy. But it, no, things, it's so. crazy because like the individual mandate was something that that the, the Heritage Foundation came up with in 1994 as a response to Hillary care. Yeah. Like, and like the, the whole like system was something that was suggested to him by the Staples CEO at the time. Like this is yeah. like this is the basis because, you know, they were headquartered in mass. Like so this was the basis for him, like suggesting this is a social program. It was something he like worked out and, you know, was very proud of and like was his signature achievement. And he has spent the entirety of the rest of his career hoping nobody notices. And, oh, my goodness. And like that is just one of my all time favorite things about him because he's and so throughout the rest of this article. And it's very funny because it just like it's called, uh, you know, as Mitt Romney announces end of political career, Massachusetts influence remains the word influence being very key here because it's as they ultimately say it's um like it, they they you know even for a boston globe article like they say like you know like further on the article uh but in the progression of romney's career some also see a political chameleon who changed colors too often at the whims of voters you know many people no. are saying that he is just a spineless fucking gutless loser who like you know ultimately just kind of failed his way to the you know near to the top but not quite there because he was always a little bit too guileless to actually ever actually get there and um yeah he, he i mean he was like essentially like a mid 90s republican like he was he was kind of like a a forbes or even like a um like a quail or something like that too like you could see where the the motions were happening but he just didn't have any charisma but to really back it up like yeah yeah and, and uh, like we talked about this before but I, it was pretty clear he was waiting to see if like the tides would turn with like trumpism dying down to see if he was gonna like stick around and maybe make another run for president which clearly the complete opposite has happened and i think this is clearly him just like seeing the way that the wind is blowing and there's no point for him to be here and like you can see like the the, the tributes in utah that have come out <laughs> about him since um since he resigned like spencer coxon is like 
basically was just talking about how this is indicating that we're on the verge of uh, a civil war um, over <laughs> over our democracy here. Uh, the fact that Mitt Romney no longer like feels comfortable in, in the Senate or whatever, and is, has been paying. I I, I saw. I can't remember what the number was but he's been paying like four or five thousand dollars a day for private security oh yeah i think they, yeah, like, they yeah. came out as part of the whole like uh was that you know that was at the atlantic yeah, yeah. that was in the mckay coppins atlantic piece and all that which you know where he said like it's really unfortunate i realize that all this is wrong but i was ultimately too much of a fucking coward to like go against any of your real way i just have been paying for private security instead <laughs> Yeah, so he famously uh, did vote to impeach, or he, he voted to to convict Donald Trump, I believe, in the impeachment Twice, proceedings yeah. both times. Um, which which also made just his, were pointless votes because it didn't really go anywhere anyway. Like they right. weren't going to get it, anywhere close to sixty votes. Or it 60 ended up with six. him getting billboards in Salt Lake that were paid for by not Republicans. So <laughs> that said, Mitt Romney, our hero, or something like that. Thanks for standing up for democracy, Mitt. Yeah, I can't remember the exact wording of the billboards, but every time I would see those was just, there was one in South Salt Lake and I was just like right off I-15. But we should talk about like, for the most part, the only thing that Mitt Romney has ever really stood up for (laughs) was essentially the right of capital to exploit people. Like, Well, yeah. And I mean, like, and that was all, I mean, ultimately that was, you know, so in all the conversations, you know, and it like. You know, the same article like, refers to him uh, variously as like the Essa sketch candidate, um, you know, like, you know, some, which is just, you know, once again, it's just really funny. It shows just, you know, how ultimately like forgettable he was. But it is kind of funny to watch, like kind of trying to summon, you know, this laudatory portrait out of someone who was ultimately just kind of um you know, passing through the state despite having been as governor. And so, you know, in looking even at uh you know, the origins of his, you know, deep Massachusetts ties, it was because he, like many of these fucking ghouls, went to school here and then like ultimately, you know, like uh, passed the bar in Michigan, but decided to take a venture capital job in Boston and then just kind of, you know, attached himself, you know, like sucker fish like to the you know economy of the state ever since, you know, famously mm-hmm. with being capital, you know, uh, which was ironically also a corporation that later employed the Democratic governor who replaced him, Deval Patrick. But it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't pay. Don't pay too much attention to that. Yep. Pay no mind. Wow. Um, you know. I also, as a personal anecdote, uh, saw Deval Patrick the night before he announced his, uh, you know, short-lived candidacy in 2020 uh, at a function where he appeared and was wearing a backpack, and it was just like very incongruous with the suit that he was also wearing. And then saw that he announced for president the next day. And it was like, I don't know, man. I saw you the night before, and if you're hanging out with me the night before your presidential run. You're probably not. It's it's probably not going to go well for you. Win. You're in no. you're in the wrong room. Yeah, like you know, it's, yeah, it's, you're mm. not going to be president. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like so, you know, he famously venture capitalist. Uh, he, um, you know, was key in moving bank capital away from investing in startups to leverage buyouts, by which he increasingly just you know served to just either bankrupt or severely fuck up a series of countries around the. Uh, or a series of companies around the country. Which was like, has essentially been the adopted blueprint from every single private equity firm. Uh, it really popularized that. Yeah. And has been, uh, I don't know, man, like people, I will look back at this era of private equity. I, I hope 
and be like, wow, it's crazy that that that, that was allowed to happen <laughs> because it's just it's it's utterly disgusting. Yeah. Um, well, and so and another understated part of his legacy that like I, I there I, I think there was too much weird focus on certain aspects of him, like his weird personality, like the the dog on the car. Like we, we remember really weird things about him because there was like a, a outsized media focus on like some like the weird just cultural yeah. stuff about him because he's a weird Mormon dude, like with a lot of Utah influence. Uh, he also like the Bain Capital stuff, the fact that. You know, that isn't like the first thing that people think of when they think of Mitt Romney I mean, is like a, a big issue, I think. From what we've seen from his entire career, and that goes all the way back to his, like his first Senate run against like Ted Kennedy and all that is he's very malleable in most of his beliefs, especially when it comes to like social policies, especially when it comes to like um, socially specific policies like abortion or things yeah. like that. But the thing that he's been constant on, the thing that he's been the strongest fighter on, the things that he's always been very consistent on is essentially corporations having the right to do pretty much whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, when when SVB was going under here, like Silicon Valley Bank was starting to teeter and then on the verge of collapse, he jumped to the rescue. He's like, we have to do something to save this thing. Now, is that because Bain Capital was like the primary shareholder for a lot of SVB? I don't know. Seems like a nice coincidence, but you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, one. And so, you know, to, I mean, the one time that he was ever really pilloried for a lot of this shit was in that, you know, uh, Senate run that he made against Ted Kennedy in 94. And, you know, and I was like, you know, Ted Kennedy, obviously an individual who, you know, arguably murdered a woman, um, you know, yeah, like, you know, like, you know, uh, the Kennedy family also of itself, like, you know, we were talking about wind power a little bit earlier, like they've been key to opposing wind power, like off the Cape because of their, you know, compound and hyannis, you know, so like, it, you know, certainly not trying to like, you know, be laudatory there. But the one thing that Ted did do is that he did, you know, absolutely fucking just, you know. Um, you know, nail Mitt to the wall with, you know, ads about the fact that he was responsible for, you know, quite rightly so for layoffs around the entire fucking country. Um, yes, you know, he was just 100%. like an absolute fucking ghoul. He was, you know, just there kind of, uh, you know, buying up companies like, you know, closing down factories, you know, like merging operations. Literally doing just, bust outs. Yeah. You know, like it was just. At, like just loading these companies up with debt and then just like selling it off for parts once they couldn't pay any of that debt back. Yeah. And, you know, and like and ultimately, like even his other, you know, co-workers, like he wasn't particularly good at finding these deals. He wasn't particularly good at, um, you know, researching whatever else his more his you know, primary focus there was just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, being the person to like, you know, focus the money and just, you know, direct investment towards, you know, victimizing all of these otherwise functional companies. Uh, because you know the the focus, of course, and I and I suppose it's one of the things that really gets me the most about all of this is because throughout the rest of the media narrative for the rest of his time in Massachusetts, you know, you hear all these you know all these conversations about his you know deep Massachusetts ties or whatever else. When the only reason he was ever here was as someone who was able to you know kind of take advantage of the Massachusetts financial services industry to create this, you know, to kind of keep this venture capital fund going in order to victimize, you know, companies in the other parts of the country. Um, Absolutely. You know, so like it, it's not, you know, he is not, you know, and, you know, and build up, you know, like, a, you know, he mean he was, uh, 
you know, fundamental and building up like the, you know, there's a giant, you know, Mormon church right off of uh, Route 2 in Belmont, you know, and he, you know, he built up the Mormon community there. But like that was, you know, it was really not, you know, kind of ties in a way that like shows like any sort of like, you know, like kind of, um, you know, like, I mean, the man is an alien and I don't even mean that because like, you know, no. there's like affiliation with the Mormon church or anything, but just even like, you know, to your point earlier, when you're talking about his campaigning, you know, part of it was like, I was reading some of the other campaign articles and they're talking about like, in this one anecdote in particular, I remember from an article uh, that the globe wrote about his uh, campaign style. And it, it was one of the other uh, articles that I, you know, kind of uh, did some research on is this whole uh, series that the globe did called uh, the making of Mitt. And um, one of them was talking about him campaigning and, you know, there were some hecklers off in the crowd. And so he compared the hecklers to a Greek chorus and then he compared the Greek chorus to the Greek columns that Obama, Obama was standing in front of and, you know, for some fucking thing. And then he compared that to the Greek bailout that, uh, you know, just had happened, you know, like, at, you know, during, uh, you know, during the Great Recession and then like did this whole thing to no applause to no reception to just absolute fucking silence. <laughs> and then at the end of all of it, just kind of continued on to talking about like Chinese currency policy. Like the man is just like, and I suppose, you know, in a way he kind of presaged a lot of individuals kind of like Blake masters and some of the rest of them where it's not so much that he was too online. It's just that he was, you know, um, too much of just this, you know, talking to people as if everyone else was also an executive around a boardroom with him. Yeah. Motherfucker couldn't read a room to save his life. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think about like the, one of the moments I really think about a lot with Mitt Romney is um, when Bernie brought uh, Howard Schultz in front of the Senate finance committee Yeah, to just, yeah. To just like grill him on like essentially Starbucks doing nothing, but like probably the most aggressive union busting campaign we've seen since, I don't know, the 1920s. Like it's been rough. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, literally, I want to be clear about this. Starbucks' entire tactic at this point is that they know that the NLRB is an underfunded agency, and so their entire them and you know Jackson Lewis and you know kind of all of their like uh, you know management attorneys, their whole process is to commit so many violations that they just grind the agency to a halt. And yeah. like you know, that's 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 their entire strategy here. That's what they've been doing since day one, and that's what they continue to do to this day. And, and also hoping that Trump wins so they can just like just dismantle the NLRB again. Right. Yeah. Like, and, you know, and like, you know, further like cut back. I mean, already I saw the, the uh, you know, the the House budget, you know, I mean, you know, right now we're like at the uh, the verge of, you know, like another another government shutdown. I know that the House budget uh, proposal for the NLRB doesn't just rescind the small gains they got in the last federal budget, but I think takes the agency back to something like the like late 90s. Um, you know, just an entirely insufficient amount of money for like literally any enforcement. Um, yeah. But but during this hearing and all that, too, like Mitt Romney spoke up in defense of Howard Schultz during all this. Too. It was like he said to like everyone in the committee, he's like, none of these people know what it's like to create a job. <laughs> As if Mitt Romney, the 
person known for corporate bus out of like just destroying thousands upon thousands of There's lives. There's actually not many people alive that have uh, destroyed more jobs than Mitt Romney. Yeah, actually. We talk about yeah. like him having to spend like four to $5,000 on security to save him from like the hooting hordes of like MAGA people. Like it's a shame that it's not the fact that it's because of what he did at Bain Capital. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's just like, and so, I mean, and so to go to all that, so, you know, it's, you know, the, uh, the two, was it the 2002, uh, you know, Olympics have happened and mm-hmm. Mitt Romney is this, you know, paragon of, uh, you know, moral virtue that has somehow saved the corrupt edifice of the Olympics from itself. And he's looking around for his next political project and he gets repeatedly courted by, you know, libertarian anti-tax, you know, all sorts of other, you know, like various different ghouls that we have around the Bay state. And they get him to, you know, um, start to explore running for governor. And the funny thing about it is, of course, is that really up until, you know, he announces that he's running for Massachusetts governor, he was covering his bases, right? Because he had one foot in Utah. He had one foot, you know, back in Massachusetts from like all of his time, you know, kind of, you know, uh, running his, you know, vulture capital firm here. And so um, he, you know... Essentially, the Republican Party of Massachusetts pushes out Jane Swift, who was the lieutenant governor um, under Paul Salucci. She was the lieutenant governor during 9-11. Um, you know, she, you know, had, uh, you know, her response to 9-11 was generally positively received because, of course, you know, one of the planes came out of here. Um, but, uh, you know, there were a few different things that happened over the course of her tenure. She was fined for having an aide uh, babysit her kids. Um, there was, you know, some kind of uh, she lived in Western Mass the entire time. There was, you know, some uh, controversy over her use of like a helicopter to get back and forth to the, uh, you know, to Boston. You know, I, well, this is all so quaint. Yeah. You know, I mean, like the, <laughs> things that counted as a scandal, you know, in like 2002. Right. Um, so she gets pushed out entirely. He announces like, you know, hours later, more or less. Um and so there's like, so I kind of divided this into the run part. And there's a few things about this that I really wanted to stress. First off is he raised $10 million for his governor, uh, uh, for his like election. $6.3 million of that came directly out of his own pocket, starting on the first day when he deli- uh, donated $75,000 to his, uh, his own campaign. Awesome. This would continue, I think... Uh, you know, for one of his other, um, you know, I think when he ran for president, I think he donated something like $45 million. Um, I mean, the man Come is just on, like, man. and so, you know, and this was, once again, these, one of the things that sounds quaint now, but the way that, you know, you know, where like, you know, more and more like billionaires are just trying to buy seats essentially by just like, you know, donating more and more money to like their own candidacies. This was kind of like amazing at the time. This is the first time, you know, the, the previous, you know, like Paul Salucci, the previous, gov- you know, Republican governor of, um, you know, who ended up as, I think, ambassador to Canada uh, under the, you know, George W. Bush administration. He was a, he was like a, their families were, they were car dealers, you know, like in central mass, um, you know, Bill Weld, who was the Republican governor in the early 90s, I mean, he was kind of a, you know, weird, I mean, he ran for, you know, the, uh, libertarian office the last time around, like, you know, just kind of a, so this is the first time we kind of really had that here. Um, and as a result, because he couldn't decide what state he actually wanted to run in, he ended up in a citizenship dispute. So the first thing the Massachusetts Democratic Party did was contest his residency. And they said, quite rightly, 
that um, like, you know, you're supposed to have seven years of residency in Massachusetts before you could run for governor. He had been out of the state for at least two or three. Let's just say he's not entitled to run for governor. And then, you know, to your point, he then displayed his strong, steely Romney character by blaming his accountant for filing his taxes wrong by saying that he didn't mean to claim a homestead exemption on his Massachusetts house or on his Utah house. He meant to have it in Massachusetts the whole time. You could tell because he voted here, even though, you know, his residency and everything else was in Utah and managed to like essentially just uh, um, like snow his way into, uh, you know, being allowed to get on the ballot in the first place. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So like the entire time it was just like, you know, he uh, um, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, it was two or three out of the seven years and he just like restated his taxes, <laughs> pretended like the whole thing had never happened and then managed to qualify for the ballot. Um, during his candidacy, he, uh, you know, kind of started his kind of whole first, you know, kind of shtick of being uh, independent. So this is during this time he was, you know, kind of broadly uh, pro stem cell research, uh, you know, was not pro-choice, but also not not pro-choice for abortion. It's perfect. Um, he kind of, once again, like kind of took no position really on gay marriage. Um, the one thing that he has been kind of, you know, straight out and out through was anti-immigrant. He did oppose um, like, uh, what is it? Um, in-state tuition for uh, immigrants from a fairly early stage, because of course he did. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but like broadly, you know, and like similarly, he made a very cynical choice instead of running with one of his longtime allies, he plucked a random, uh, white woman out of Massachusetts politics, Gary Healy, and, uh, decided to run with her as Lieutenant governor. Um, and I just, I bring that up in particular because like Mitch, he's actually from Nebraska, uh, only ever ended up in Massachusetts because she went to school here. So you're going to see much like Mayo P and like a few others, you know, we just kind of unfortunately have this trend of people from Harvard and MIT who come here and then stay here. I was going to say, we need to destroy the Ivy league. I have been asking my one friend in the national guard in Massachusetts to actually just load real <laughs> shells into their howitzers on the Esplanade every July 4th. And they keep not doing it. And I'm, I'm trying to find a bipartisan solution. And I'm saying that the only bipartisan solution that I can find is to shell Harvard. Um, <laughs> it's long overdue, man. Listen, like I'm, everything, everything, so many just, bad things in this Harvard country can just brick trace. by brick tear it down. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm, just directly back to the Ivy League. I'm a problem solver. Um, <laughs> man. Yeah. So, um, you know, so he. He went through all of this. He just kind of, you know, um, and I should also mention that um, and just because there's also kind of a wonderful trend of like failing downwards. It does kind of happen occasionally in Massachusetts politics. So after Kaylee ended up as uh, Carrie Healy ended up as lieutenant governor, she tried to run for governor after Romney um, essentially conducted a Willie Horton style smear campaign against the. Uh, Deval Patrick, who would become the first black governor of Massachusetts, um, like you who know, would also work for Bank Capitalist. But, who, other than but you know, yeah, I mean, you know, also uh, his wife's also a management attorney, but I'm not getting into that. Um, <laughs> but um, 
Anyway, um, but uh, you know, you know, accusing him of um, you know sticking up for murderers by representing people who had been on death row. Uh, famously, two shadowy individuals tried to show up and um, bribe one of the guys he represented uh, for his correspondence that he had with Deval Patrick. Uh, that those people have never been identified. Um, after her. Uh, campaign went nowhere she ended up at the kennedy school of government uh because you know the last refuge of the scoundrel uh in this area she then ended up on an afghanistan justice reform like program um around like 2009 2010 like right around the time of the surge and you know where she is now no longer republican she's a member of Oh no, she she's not like oh, a forward party person, is she? <laughs> there you go. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Yankee yeah, baby. Um, so you know. Oh, that's awful. The only one that's any better than this is uh, the um, uh, former governor or uh, not governor, um, but but uh, the former AG who ran for um. Ted Kennedy's seat after he passed, who lost to Scott Brown, Martha Coakley. Uh, oh, yes. Who, you know, famously lost because, you know, in part because she complained about having to campaign with the poor outside of Fenway Park um, and like otherwise managed to like sink health care reform in this country single handedly. Um, one of her last jobs that I saw was as general counsel to Jewel. Um, right around. The- <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Hold on. Hell yeah. Are we talking the singer or the vape company? Ah, the vape <laughs> the two, company. The um, okay. Cause I was about to say either are equally plausible. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah, it's kind of um, like how uh, Kamala Harris's brother-in-law was, um, uh, general counsel to, uh, was I think Uber for a while. Um, she also had like a niece or something like that too. It was like, they're like brand representative. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Um, terrible. So I, I think like a lot of what you're talking about when it comes to like Romney, when it comes to like how he ran to just speaks to like a general cowardice of someone who protested for the Vietnam War and then spent an extra amount of time on his LDS mission to make sure he didn't have to go to Vietnam. Right. I mean, like, and so like the kind of thing that you see, you know, he, he tried to like run some ads with him and his wife as like this kind of like all American couple with him as this like kind of blue collar stalwart, whatever. Uh, and no one fucking bought that shit. Um, and if we wear jeans, yeah, like, right. Like, you know, we're normal. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't worry. I had my Butler finally press my jeans before I wore them in my ad this morning. Um, and like ultimately, the only reason he won is because he just smeared the shit out of uh, Shannon O'Brien, who was his opponent. Uh, essentially, you know, painting her as you know, like uh, um, you know, losing pension money because of the Enron collapse that just happened and whatever else. Um, you know, she also uh, notably she embraced gay marriage a year before um, the Supreme Judicial Court here in Mass found it was uh, legal. And also supported uh, lowering the age for, you know, abortions in the state. So, like, you know, from a from a very early start, like, you know, Romney was already taking kind of a cultural warrior position. Um, you know, like, unfortunately, her attempts to kind of draw from the same wall that Kennedy had and showing him to be a kind of venture capital ghoul just didn't quite work. Um, but History's greatest monster. So having, having pretended that, uh, you know, he was a Massachusetts resident and then gotten elected governor, 
Um, he then proceeded into what I like to call the tenure part of his reign. Ooh. Um, and so <laughs> this was during a period where, uh, you know, so he got in and, you know, the narrative is, and as you'll see from the Wikipedia articles that I imagine members of his staff have probably edited, um, you know, he came in. Sh- guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, the Carrie Healy one is actually really good. Like, that's 100%. If you read that one, it's absolutely was written by a staffer because it doesn't include any of, like, the, um, you know, kind of uh, equivocal language or something. It's just, like, you know, success yeah. is success. Um, but... You know, his big thing is, you know, he came in, there was a budget deficit, he cut taxes, you know, he was able to like make it so that, uh, you know, the state functioned better and he was consolidated things and, you know, he exercises veto power. None of that's true. Um, he, Perfect. he came in, uh, there was initially forecast to be, you know, like uh, some budget deficits. Most of those were either never actually happened or were not as severe as they were supposed to be. Regardless, he went in and, uh, you know, massively tried to slash the budget wherever he could. Most notably, he actually made my tuition higher uh, because he got in in 2003. And because of his budget cuts to higher education, tuition almost doubled in the course of two years. Oh, my um, dude. And uh, increased by, like, I think something like 60 or so percent overall. Um and so as a result, the austerity that um, like I'm currently doing a graduate program at UMass Boston, a lot of the stuff there is still as shitty as it was when I did my undergraduate program in 2005 and 2006, because there has been no great capital investment over the course of like the last 15 years. Um, he also, while there were no tax increases, you know what there were? Fee increases. Um, so, you know, my guy just went around like making sure that there was like an extra tax on gasoline that was supposed to go to, um, like fuel farm cleanup essentially, but wasn't actually necessary. Um, you know, like various different user fees got, you know, piled up. Um, he briefly took a chance, uh, took a swing at being a real Republican, uh, ran to build the party. And ended up uh, after years of fundraising and, you know, and, uh, you know, traveling around the state, whatever else, managed to lose seats in the process. And then uh, famously gave an interview to the Boston Globe right afterwards saying, well, now it's all about me. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. That's like a verbatim. Quote. I, I, I genuinely cannot imagine how poorly it went having him going statewide trying to get like, yeah. And local you, you mean that dude doesn't elected. have coattails that that doesn't make no, no sense and I whatsoever. Be, I want to be clear that that's a direct quote. So I'm reading here from the article. After his failure to elect more Republican legislatures in the 2004 campaign, Mitt Romney met with the Globe's editorial board and made a surprising declaration. No longer could he put so much time into promoting his party. Quote, from now on, it's me, 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 he said. Folks, I'm going to take the last two years off from my term to uh, start running for president. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I hope you're all going to be along with a ride with me. Me, me. Yeah. And like, you know, like, I, and I just want to be clear that this really like formed the, because, you know, this was done in 2003, 2004, 2005, you know, technically, you know, the heyday of kind of like the economy during this period. So this was implementing austerity before the Great Recession. So part of the reason why, like, for instance, things are so fucked here now is because these budget cuts started in 2003 and then essentially never stopped. 
Not only that, it was probably the high water mark for conservatism in this country too. And he couldn't cultivate any sort of like message that actually resonated with people while like across the country, like you still had pretty sizable majorities in both the house and the Senate for the, for the Republican party. This is before in 06 when the whole house came down. Yeah. So like, it, it's incredible to see like he couldn't capitalize on any of that, even on a state level like Massachusetts, where for the Republican party, there's only one way to go when it's up and you still manage to dig. Yeah. Well, and so like, you know, just throwing it like, uh, um, property taxes became like over half of like city and town budgets here. Um, you know, the, yeah, like, as I said, like the, um, you know, there was net, you know, famously he claims there was a $1 billion surplus that he created through his budget, uh, changes. Um, one of those part of the $1 billion is $150 million. That was just an accounting change that pushed payments of Medicaid bills into the next fiscal year. So, I mean, truly running government like a business in the way that you're just kind of trying to like hide as much as possible. Um, You're just cooking the book so you can like just point to that when you go interview for a new job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and I'll just, during this period, the final thing I'll leave on just as far as like a favorite mint moment, one of his big things he did at this time was he uh, had a famous showdown with uh, Bill Bulger, who used to be president of the Senate, became president of the UMass system. It was revealed that, uh, you know, he and his uh, brother Whitey had talked after Whitey had fled from the feds. As a result, he was tossed out. <laughs> as a result, he was tossed out of office, um, and you know denied his pension. There was a whole special pension law that was passed to like prevent anyone who had like essentially had lied to the feds from getting their federal pension. But I'm going to move past that for a moment. Um, one of uh, Mitt's best friends who had handed him a pair of running shoes at his first rally in Belmont in you know 2002 was a guy named Monahan, William Monahan. And he unbeen like had there would have been a Boston Globe article like 15 years prior that had uh, talked about how in an arm's length transaction there was no like actual wrongdoing had been investigated. He had bought property from the Angulo family, which was one of the organized crime families in Boston. He had bought a theater in the theater district, but there was actually no no evidence of impropriety. Nothing he had done wrong, whatever. This got re-brought up by the Boston Globe midway through uh, Romney's tenure. Romney just appointed this guy as head of the Civil Service Commission. A month later, Romney called this guy while he was at his vacation house in New Hampshire and said, hey, you're gone. This has been the guy who had like, you know, helped him up through his entire career. Uh, all of this had already been disclosed. But Romney said, well, all my advisors said you have to be gone, so you're gone. And the guy lasted a month in the Civil Service Commission, got tossed out. And uh, I mean, this was in. He's a killer, man. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. And this was in like uh, 2006 ish or so. Um, and in, uh, this guy would die like within the next decade. Um, Good hell. So, um, so, yeah. So, you know, having done. So this was. That was kind of the, you know, and then, of course, during this period and immediately afterwards, this is the uh, the heyday of Mitt care. So with, you know, um, you know, with Ted Kennedy, he, you know, forged this compromise, um, you know, figured out this way, this individual mandate, including a tax on employers, all these provisions. Um, and once again, in a very mid fashion, as soon as it was about to be signed into law, 
this is when some conservative groups started to object to one of the uh, provisions of the law that was a fee on employers. And um, he uh, then vetoed that along with several other key provisions to the act, pissing off the entire Democratic legislature and then having them uh, override his veto anyway. <laughs> Perfect. That is extremely mid behavior. Oh. So he starts running for president in, um, I mean, two thirds of the way through his term, halfway through his About term. Halfway through his term. I, I honestly literally remember nothing about this 2008 run. Like he, he, I feel like he was trying to like be that like Nelson Rockefeller edge to like the Republican party was like, I'm just a Northeastern Republican full of moderate ideas because everyone hates the Republican party right now. Well, and specifically yeah. that was the period, you know, that he, um, so around this time and shortly after he passed Mitcare, that's when he started to run for president. And that's when, yep. you know, um, and you're right, that's how he portrayed himself was as a you know, kind of Northeast Republican. But the fun fact about that is he was still governor of a Democratic state in the Northeast. Um, the issue there being that it's really difficult to constantly run against your own state while you're governor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like a, a bit of a tightrope to walk. He, of course, ended up losing the primary to John McCain. Um, he did win 11 primaries and caucuses. He got about 4.7 4. million votes. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier. He spent $110 million during this campaign, and $45 million of that 110 was his own yep. money. Awesome. Good um, return on investment. Excellent no, business notes there so that was great um i think i remember him i think i remember my parents talking about it but like i know there was talk about him maybe like being john mccain's vp for a while um and then john mccain made the decision to to go with sarah palin instead which An paid excellent off. decision which <laughs> paid would dividends. pay dividends for the rest of american history <laughs> however long yeah. that may be um, and then, of course, he ran in the 2012 presidential campaign. Um, he did win this primary, which was, um, I think, oh, so during this time, I guess, um, did they leave Minnesota, or, uh, Massachusetts during this time? Like well, before so, the 2012 primary? Or when exactly did he yes. yes and no. So he... Sold a place. He sold his place at Belmont. He also sold his place in Utah. For a while, he only had his one home in the Lakes in New Hampshire, and another one, I think, somewhere in like San Diego or Southern California, yeah, somewhere. La Jolla. Yeah. And then he eventually um, rented another place in like near, you know, it's back in Belmont, near, you know, near Boston. Um, but similarly, during this, you know, I mean, essentially he started exploring his uh, presidential run six months after he was erected governor in 2003. Um, That's awesome. He started running for, you know, president in 2008, essentially in like 2006. Um, and you can actually watch his poll numbers tumble as governor at the time, as everyone essentially, like even most conservatives in Massachusetts got fucking sick of the fact that he was just like never in the goddamn state. Um, just, yeah, just, just checked and, out, you know, and like, you know, kind of as we talked about in the beginning, you know, as he was running for, you know, as he ran in 2008 and then in 2012, you know, swiftly um, like 
you know, much what unlike you know, there was his stance on abortion, his stance on gay marriage, his stance on immigrants, his stance on stem cells, those all went rightward. You know, I've already talked about the fact that he disavowed his entire, you know, Romney care program. The one that also even I often forget is that um he'd actually been trying to figure out a cap and trade initiative for carbon. Um <laughs> and it like and uh, you know, had like been spent like a year trying to like get a bunch of different Massachusetts businesses involved in it. And then as soon as it became clear that he was really going to run in 2008, he fucking tanked the whole program. He just like, that's amazing. Absolutely torpedoed that shit inside and stopped caring. Um, we, I mean, it, once again, it shows how malleable he was to any sort of policy that wasn't like directly beneficial to him. Yeah. And, and like 2012 was like the, specific example you can point to for a lot of these things too because like especially after 2010 with the tea party stuff and all that like 2012 mitt romney like it really is amazing that mitt romney is like the head of the trump can't like the anti-trump coalition now because he essentially ran trump's campaign in 2012 yeah but just but genteel right and i mean that was the whole you know was you know running his campaign but respectable Kind of. I mean, he went in front of the NAACP and just said, all that you want is free stuff. Like, that is such a Trump move. Like, I'm shocked that he actually still did it. And like, in the McKay Coppins piece, he talks about like, well, you know, I really didn't want Donald Trump's endorsement. Yeah, man. That's why you went directly to Vegas in person with your <laughs> wife to accept that endorsement. Like, you do that for people you don't yeah. want the endorsement. Well, of. and like, you know, I mean, the other part about it, too, of course, is that he... <sighs> I don't know. Not only did he just kind of like genuflect before like, you know, Donald Trump and this entire, you know, like, but he also just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. Like he just hasn't, he's there is no there there for him in a way that is just absolutely astounding. Like there is no, there is no, firm set of values that he ever has ever evidenced there and I, and I guess that's you know one of the things that's been really funny over the course of the last few years in particular and I don't know if you both have seen this but there's this kind of growing narrative that he is that somehow he was treated in such a way during the 2012 election that that begat Donald Trump that there was this <laughs> The, oh, that's my favorite you know, this, thing. Yeah, right the, now. This, it's the Republican standard, the back myth. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like they made them act this way. Yeah, you know, yeah. like oh well, you know, Mitt Romney was such a decent, you know, uh, you had it good with him. You know, and you, wonderful you man. It, and like you took it for yeah, granted. Yeah, the fact that you decided to reelect Obama in 2012 instead of electing a decent man like Mitt is is how you got Trump. And it's just, but there, like he's a man that like even like most Republicans would not have liked you know at this point throughout much of his career like he just yeah. oh, you know he is ultimately a you know venture capitalist uh you know kind of nanny state you know over you know whatever republican but it just like there is no i mean he's you know it's like you know pining for fucking michael bloomberg or something you know what i mean like there well, is yeah, just like, and like yeah. so his in the Republican primary for for that 2012 race, uh, his opponents were Michelle Bachman, Rick Perry, Chris Christie, Herman Cain, uh, Newt Gingrich. I remember Newt Gingrich um, being like a big like like the big boy because I remember in 2012 being like I can't Rick believe Santorum also this fucking guy showed up again. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and the only thing that like, the only thing that like Newt Gingrich ever made a splash was like, we're going to put a base on the moon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was it. I was like, I was like okay, that. Newt, we remembered who you were from the nineties. Oh, you can, you can fuck. just go fuck off now. And I think, Thank you. um, if I remember correctly, was John Huntsman Jr. in this race as well? I no, I don't think so. I think he ran in 2016. Was it 2016? I think it was 2016, I yeah. I, I, I don't remember. It could well. have been both at a certain um, point. I, think, I thought he ran in both. He he was just like on the ballot a lot for, <laughs> for know, whatever like, reason. Like you hear that list of just straight killers the Republican Party was running uh, and you just realize like, oh man – they didn't stand a chance at all. Oh, but like, oh, at the same also, point this too. is yeah, this is when like when Ron Paul really like yeah, Ron Paul was in the race yeah, as well. Yeah. That was like his big moment, you know, like yeah, yeah uh, the Ron Paul revolution everywhere. Yeah, up until everyone like found all the racist shit that he had written. Yeah, exactly. Like, he just likes weed and is against war. And it's like, well, uh, here's a nice newsletter from the '90s where he calls New York City Rape Town. It's like, yeah, okay, we're gonna back off on that. Yeah, and oh no, I'd, whatever happened to Rick Perry? Oh yeah, what's it? Uh, oh, sorry, I was wrong. John Huntsman did run. Okay, he oh, did run. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think it I was think a very Chris memorable Christie campaign. didn't run, but I, I know Herman Cain. Uh, rest in peace. He died from COVID, right? He, yeah, he did. He, he died from COVID going to a Trump rally. Yeah, he was. He oh, was perfect. the one guy who didn't get the super secret, like you know, like save your ass vaccine. It, yeah, there's and an he, excerpt yeah. from one of the like 900 books that are coming about out about the Trump presidency. That's like Mark Meadows apparently said, "Oh my God, we killed Herman Cain." Perfect. That's 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 great. <laughs> also, he, he he had a campaign, but there were uh, sexual misconduct allegations that really uh, ruined his presidential campaign. And, I, uh, and it was such I, a great campaign where he was like, "What if we just did seven 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 for taxes? It works for pizza." I, sorry, I'm just really laughing at the fact that uh, looking at the Wikipedia page for the 2012 primaries and Newt Gingrich announcing, and it's announced May 1, 2011, parentheses, erroneously, May 11, 2011, officially. Like, what a fucking clown show. Like, that, Jesus that's Jesus fucking incredible. Christ. Oh, God. Um, like, yeah, so this is, of course, when we got the famous picture of him uh, begging for Donald Trump's election and Trump with like the biggest shit eating grin on his face and Mitt Romney's just the pain in his eyes is just it's it's perfect. No, it, it's funny too like but just to go back to his campaign and everything like that like it was such a cynical campaign in general for a person who doesn't believe in anything like because Mitt Romney doesn't believe in anything we know he doesn't believe in anything but like everything that he had was such like based off a of white resentment and backlash to having a black president that you can see it in the messaging too from all the like um we're just a bunch of like takers and moochers making paul ryan his running mate yeah. Um, oh yeah uh, some other good oh ones. yeah fucking uh you know uh republican party brain trust paul ryan like remember the like yeah. i mean that you was know, awesome um listening I to do all the math li- listening to rage against the machine and listening to apparently none of the fucking words in any of the goddamn songs um that's my just favorite a good thing. beat man it's a good beat <laughs> yeah but like also we should also mention that mitt romney is probably the one that kicked off the benghazi conspiracy oh yeah kind of like uh really kind of like Hil- yeah. kind of like hillary just to like you know play the part in the birther movement in a way that like you know no one really acknowledges now um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mitt Romney is the one who had that press conference the day after the Benghazi attacks. He was like, uh, Barack Obama, uh, he lied about the cause of the attacks and 
you know, he's just not a good fella. And he's, he tried to play this whole thing about like how, like, you know, it was Barack Obama's because that was the whole thing about the bringing the Quran to and all that and the video and everything. And oh, that was when that. that one like priest in that was around the time that one priest in Florida kept like wanting to burn the Quran, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. That was exactly it too. It's like they and like no one really knew what the cause of the attack was now that and it just kind of like just grew with kind of organically out of all of that that kind of uproar and everything. And then like what killed Mitt Romney on that one too was like he just like laid into Obama about Benghazi, but then turned around and had the biggest shit eating grin as he was leaving the stage. Like he just like just fucking knocked it out of the park. Yeah. One I and I suppose and so th- one of the final things, you know, kind of like, you know, I try to choose like a little bit about like each part of kind of Mitt's era as being governor. And the final thing I'll kind of like just go back to a little bit is, uh, you know, there was a very tragic incident where like after, you know, the famous, you know, the big dig in Boston where they we dug a tunnel through the middle of the fucking city. It took fucking 30 years, um, you know, and then even after it happened, a ceiling panel fell, you know, from the from the top of the tunnel you know, crushed a car underneath it, you know, and, you know, killed a woman. Um, and, you know, after that, you know, Mitt went around the state. He, uh, you know, kind of barnstormed about this issue. He said he was going to, you know, um, you know, figure out this huge infrastructure investment in Massachusetts and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, just really, you know, made this kind of his marquee thing. And and one of the things he's always done, whether it's governor, whether it's, you know, senator, whether it's presidential candidate, you know, he's a big go to the media guy, which is funny because, of course, he's someone with no fucking charisma in his entire goddamn life. You know, I mean, <laughs> the man couldn't borrow a cup of charisma if the shit was coming out of the fucking walls. Um, but regardless, uh, he went through and did all of this and made all these promises. And then one of his aides said, Oh, by the way, there's actually this like, I think it's I think 19B with a billion dollar like budgeting gap and actually what's needed for, you know, just to bring everything up to where it needs to be now, much less any further investment. And his response was essentially, ah, well, and then he just kind of left the state. Um <laughs> And I and I feel like that's that's, you know, like for whatever else, that's kind of just like Mitt in a nutshell. Right. Like it just, you know, he he came, he saw he grandstanded a little bit. He, you know, uh, portrayed himself as being, a, you know, kind of master negotiator. And then he fucked off to stage right as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a better encapsulation of what he's doing right now. It's like. We're going to fight against Donald Trump. And then once he sees that Donald Trump's rising right back to the top of the Republican Party as if nothing happened. And he's not going to be a John McCain like figure. It's like, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, well, and off he goes. <laughs> yeah. Like once he figured yeah. out that he wasn't going to be like, yeah, like Joe Biden's vice president. I mean, because it's also right. It's all these guys, too. It's like, well, you know, he kind of did it in reverse order. Normally they get to the Senate and then run for president. And then, you know, at least that way they can kind of circle back to still being a senator. You know, he ran for president, fucked that up mightily twice um, in different ways, and then just kind of, you know, regressed back to the mean of becoming a senator in, you know, you went to the one place he could never lose. Right. He went, yeah. he went to Utah. He, he went to the one place in 2012 where he put up Assad like numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and luckily that was around the time that uh, Orrin Hatch's senility had fully set in. Yeah. That, right. Those were tough last 
couple decades for Oren. <laughs> what you mean like the time he took sunglasses? He took glasses off that he wasn't wearing. That was awesome. I like that. That made me feel good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Mitt, of course, became the senator from the great state of Utah, and um, highlights, of course, uh, dressing up as Ted Lasso in two different outfits, doing a cosplay with. I, I like to think Kristen that was Cinema. just entirely also just by accident. Like that's just yeah. like that just those are just the clothes that he has. <laughs> he just yeah. I, he he literally was wearing uh a Real Salt Lake jersey that the club sent him, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so like as when they did their new jersey. It's like one so. of those things that they uh like it still has like the fold lines in it. Yeah. They he did a photo shoot with Chris uh Kristen Cinema as the woman in Ted Lasso. And um this was a great active bipartisan um agreement uh, it was great because we saw uh, the mormon ex-mormon boundary being um being bridged it was it was a beautiful step forward for progmos and desnat alike i, I honestly was, think that he's leaving the senate because he knows cinema is going to get her clock cleaned this next election so it's like, <laughs> she's gone what's she's left, not here what's i left? don't want to be here either I, I'm, 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 Real, st- I'm still so surprised that she even decided to run for re-election like everyone kind of figured that she was just gonna like fuck off to an ngo somewhere um I think she's I know. maybe doing running for Senate in order to help boost her uh, ability to do that so she can talk about how uh, polarized everything's become. Right. Which is funny because if you look at like the poll numbers that are coming out right now too, she is going to completely eat shit. It's going like, to be awesome. Everyone hates her, especially the Democratic Party where she's pulling like 2%. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just in general, uh, I don't know, the, Mitt saying that he's vacating his seat after his term has brought up a lot of uh, feelings for, for, for Utahns. I was uh, at my partner's grandparents' house the other day. Um, they're both very old and her, uh, and also Mormon. And her grandfather was saying, uh, we were, we, we were, <laughs> I, I helped them with the tech support stuff sometimes. And I, I was cleaning up uh, uh, my partner's grandmother's favorites in her browser and one of them was ksl and i, I was like do you want this one still she's like well just click on it and I'll, I'll decide and so i click on it the top story is about mitt romney and whatever and oh heavens uh grandfather's like the media just treated him so unfairly <laughs> it, that sounded more trumpy than it really was he was just talking about he's like they were so unfair to him and they the way that what they did to him was just it was evil. And then grandmother was like, what, what do you mean? It was evil. And then grandfather was like, well, they just talked about him wearing, uh, special underwear. And then grandmother was like, well, we do that. (laughs) She was like, that is, that's, that's real. So, um, yeah, it's been an emotional time. Uh, it's bringing up all, all the, all the nostalgia from, uh, those beautiful campaigns, um, the Olympics and everything else. And I'm sure shocks, this has been an emotional transition for you as Mitt uh, exits public life. Well, just, you know, and retires into the mountains of, of Utah. It is just so funny too, that just like, you know, I just, I can't imagine having to entirely memory hole just like four years of my life as a like, you know, yeah. and like, not just like four special. years of my life is like being a shit bag in my early twenties, but like as a fully grown person, as a chief, chief executive of a state and just like hoping that nobody remembers is just such a just a wild thing for me and like shocks remembers yeah and you know i think the and like and i think the only 
Oh, is that oh sorry. I didn't mean no, to step I was going to say. I think it's like the only like uh, comparison, like Mitt Romney is like Peyton Manning, where it's like, I never played for the Colts. I was with the Broncos the entire time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, or like uh, you know, Tom Brady, you know, like you know, play, you know, winning his last Super Bowl with the fucking Buccaneers, you know, like I mean, it just like, or uh, I think it was um, they didn't like, I remember like Roger Clemens like doing some shit like that, where like didn't he retire with like the Tampa Bay Devil Rays or something, or like I think he retired as a Yankee, he just kept coming back. I, I, I thought it was like he like you know retired to something entirely separate because they like paid him a bunch of money or something. Um, respect, but like, I don't know. It just like, uh, I mean, uh, Carl Malone played for the Lakers for a year. That's something that that's probably tied with the, th- the things that jazz fans don't want to remember about Carl Malone with one other, uh, very notable, uh, event, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we pour one out to Mitt Romney. Uh, I hope, um, he finds what he's looking for. <laughs> out there since he won't be able to find it he's gonna in keep a bisexual ex-mormon in anymore yeah yeah i mean you yeah. know like you know congratulations to him i hope uh i don't know i mean you know sears is pretty much bankrupt at this point but like macy's is still going so like maybe you can like find some value there for the shareholders yeah. um congrats on eliminating the concept of toys r us in this country you've made millions of children very sad yeah, so. yeah. i'm i'm sure he's gonna spend a lot of great time with his kids like trip and whatever happened to tag whatever happened to tag romney what's he up to man you really don't have to be you don't when you have that much money you don't have to be up to anything really you can just in fact that's exactly what i would be it's also so funny to me that his name is actually taggart is it really yeah like 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 you know like you're just like oh my name is tag oh okay like yeah short for taggart you know what? It makes sense. He was a governor of Massachusetts because that's like the most like northeastern shithead name I could think of. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a name that just like bespeaks the fact that you have an entire closet full of identical like blue Oxford shirts. Yeah, that, that's like, a, and you like you know have and you like you know starch your underwear. Um, yeah, that's a that's a fucking brown is my safety school ass name. Yeah, yeah, like, but it's just like I mean, it's like I remember there was an old Lewis Black bit like about like Al Gore, Dipper Gore. It's like you imagine stumbling drunk across like the floor of you know like a cotillion at like a you know in a uh, Tennessee like you know country club and just like can I have his next dance, Tipper? And I feel like Taggart's about the same. It's 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 in the same genre for sure. Well, I feel like that's a good place to end it. Any final thoughts about our uh, our our beautiful eighty year old boy, American icon? I'm just Jordan. So excited to have him replaced by some sort of like Salt Lake developer shithead. Yeah, we we got big things coming. We either got a president of some type of uh, housing or real estate company. Um, or uh, Tim Ballard and all of the baggage that he'll be bringing he can in. Write the ship. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Who's, so who's going to replace Romney? Well, the uh, I think the person. I don't know what polls are looking like, Jordan. You might have a better idea, but the the guy we talked about earlier, Brad Wilson, was the Speaker of the House, also president of a um, real estate company, and he might. He leading the polls, I would assume. Yeah, at, at this point, it seems like it's Brad good. Wilson. You know, it's going to be good to have a poster child for why you need to have even application of Botox. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, see, because all I could think of was uh, that, you know, the bit for The Simpsons where it's just like, this inanimate carbon rod. Um, I feel like that <laughs> might actually be the most, I mean, if, most appropriate if successor. If you yeah. made the carbon rod Mormon and Republican, it would still probably pull around 45%. Maybe like they'll pull someone crazy off the bench, like Donnie Osmond or something. That would be cool. I that um, would actually kind of, you know, fuck it. I mean, at this point where like, you know, the Senate is just increasingly just like an actual fucking like, you know, uh, parade of oddities. Like, fuck it. Why not? Yeah, honestly, Utah is a very special place that I feel like there's a, a, Certain people that could win here, when the same type of person could not win anywhere else. I'm thinking of like, um, I mean, John Stockton would probably <laughs> could walk into a Senate seat if he wanted here. I'm sure. Steve Young Wait, would win. Steve like Young the would. <laughs> Steve Young would, do, level would clean up. Ninety nine percent of the state would vote for Steve Young. He's like he's yeah. such a nice person. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Steve Young could walk into a Senate seat here if he wanted. Um. Man, that would be that would be fast. Sorry, sorry, I just have to. I, I need you both to check your DMs very quickly um, because I just sent you uh, Tag Romney's uh, last Twitter post um, from October thirty first, two thousand nineteen. Oh boy, he posted a picture on Halloween of his son Thomas, I believe, as Pierre Delecto, and his other son is uh, Nacho Libre. Um, look at that house they're in. That's hilarious. Uh, my, my goodness. So his, uh, Mitt Romney's grandson went as Pierre Delecto, Mitt Romney's burner for Halloween. You know, we didn't even mention Mitt Romney's burner, which became so annoying. Oh, I honestly forgot about that whole fucking thing. Shit. I guess they leaned into it so hard that that was probably the right move. Uh, but man, yeah, man, tough scene. That just depressed me. I don't, I don't even care about anything anymore. <laughs> like just, yeah, the uh, just the seeing, opulence in the background here of these images is pretty stunning. I'm not. The, the only thing I can compare it to is like some of those paintings from like the Soviet Union of like someone from the Red Guard just like stumbling into the Winter Palace and seeing like how they lived compared to compared to like the peasants and just like just staring uh, upwards at the ceiling, just in just like shock and also just horror yeah yeah like shocks thank you for sending me that selfie of him and uh paul ryan and paul ryan's wife yeah i mean you know <laughs> okay. once again just like you know just a series of people who all look like they were created by ai um, it's perfect you know I, the only thing that's missing is like the sixth finger that it usually puts on people yeah, or like but, a third man. eye or something or like you know, it's, you know whatever <laughs> um yeah, no, it's been Whoa. it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, mit casting with you both. Um, we love mit casting. You know. I mean, this might be the final time. I guess we'll see what happens in his uh, in, his in his in his last dotage. We'll see, we'll see if he has a third act in store for all of us. Uh, yeah, you know. we'll see how he does in his lame duck session. But I can only imagine he's going to be uh, retiring off into the into the sunset here in Utah. But you, you know, shocks. you got to give him credit just for like getting elected in a state where Duncan is a food group and he doesn't drink coffee. It's honestly, it's pretty. I still don't fully understand how he became governor there, but it's. I mean, it's mythical. It's things of legends and shocks. Why don't you tell the people where you're at? Uh, well, so normally, uh, you know, in addition to uh, in addition to occasionally being your Eastern correspondent, uh, you know, mu- much lauded if I remember the last call-in episode you guys had around the, you know, uh, you know the the Christmas holiday season. Um, 
but I'm uh, most often found in either uh, Hell of Way to Die or Lions Led by Donkeys, uh, respectively, uh, a veteran podcast turning into a dad cast uh, with each passing day. Um, on one hand, or a cast about, or a uh, podcast about some of the uh, the worst military fuck ups in all of history, where we also uh, are currently watching um, the noted Sean Bean vehicle Sharps, uh, you know Sharps rifles and so on and so forth. Uh, I see clips of that on YouTube. It's great. Yeah. So if you know if you're really interested in uh, mid '90s British television about the Napoleonic Wars, we got you covered. Uh, you know, so, you know, just just really going for broad based appeal on that one. And then I mean, uh, it's great because there's like episodes where there's like 12 people. Yeah. I mean, oh, Jesus, fuck. Actually, the last episode <laughs> wasn't as bad as we were all thinking it was going to be. But that's besides the point. Um, and then also like a, a stalking horse that may become more of a thing, uh, you know, if Irish Tom and I ever, um, you know, get our shit together. Uh, so, you know, I mean, famous last words for any fucking podcast um, is, uh, you know, um, is 33rd County, which is a spinoff of Hell of Way to Die. And it has, uh, you know, uh, Irish Tom, who is, in fact, Irish and uh, myself, who, um, you know, aspires to be talking about the uh, the interaction of Irish and Irish Americans, a, a people separated by a common culture and uh, in which we, uh, you know, take uh um, take turns exposing ourselves to the horrors that uh, we've created on different sides of the Atlantic. Most recently, <laughs> I made Irish Tom watch Boondock Saints, um, in which he absolutely, have you absolutely fucking hated? Um, I, one so, time you know. I found uh, the church here has their own thrift stores called Desert Industries, and one time I found a Boondock Saints hoodie there when I was in high school. It was bright green, and it had the whole. Uh, I can't. I think I can't remember what it had on the front, but it had. I think it probably just said Boondock Saints and had like a target on it, or crosshairs, I guess. And then on the back, it had the full prayer, like <laughs> just oh, like completely written out. That's it's awesome. So have you I had a friend that was so jealous? He's like, dude, I can't believe you. Found- <laughs> he like thought the Boondock Saints was so sick. So that guy joined the Marines. So, so um, anyway, has Irish Tom ever listened to House of Pain? Um. You know, I don't know if I've actually made him. I mean, I, I smell an episode. Yeah, that might have to be. I mean, so um, you know, we've we've gone back and forth about different things. Uh, you know, we've really developed a uh, um, a specialty in uh, certain Colin Farrell movies. Um, you know, we definitely watched uh, you know the Banshee of Sheeran and also watched um, uh, In Bruges together. Um, there we go. You know, I mean, I will say uh, House of Pain. Funnily enough, no one there actually from Boston, despite what you might think from the music videos. Wait, you mean Everlast isn't really from Boston? I know, it's terrible. Um, however, it is a song that I absolutely know all the words to to this day and will sing if I'm drunk at a bar. Uh, so, you know, fun fact, if I ever make it out to Salt Lake City and find a place that serves a drink above 3.5% alcohol. Um, oh, buddy, I've got a place just for you. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah? Uh, perfect. Can't wait. Hopefully, I won't have to break down in order to fucking get there. <laughs> they do make things that fly these days, so that, that that's well. Actually, I wouldn't be testing my my luck if I were you. <laughs> um, they actually also, on that note, uh, filmed the Disney Channel original movie Luck of the Irish. Uh, it said it took place in Cleveland, uh, filmed right here in, in the in the greater Salt Lake area. So. There's there's a foundation you know, fr- there for fr- you. So don't frankly, there's it. no end of indignities that the Irish people have suffered, and I'm um, just adding, <laughs> adding this one alongside the potato famine and the troubles. 
Personally, I feel like that one makes up for Brigham Young kicking all the Irish people out of the state. I think so, too. (laughs) It was a show of good faith. All right, Chalks, thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.